0: Welcome to the Blind Apex Podcast, where amateur club racers tune in to get faster. I'm your host, John Turk, and on this episode of the Blind Apex Podcast, we're going to talk about tracking motorcycles. Hunter, you can stop listening now. You don't need to listen to this podcast at all this is one of the instagram uh recommended recommended topics uh so i decided we'd bring it to life i do actually read the comments i don't just give do giveaways and do check marks for you guys um but since i've never taken any of my motorcycles on track joining me probably the youngest guest to date avid hiker motorcycle racer mason
1: luke welcome to the show there thank you so much for having me it's an honor
0: yeah absolutely um so actually little um was the one that uh suggested that we do this topic and i actually met with him today we had lunch and i dropped his winning skateboard off to him since it you know harrisonburg is oh, really? only an hour or so away from my house um yeah okay. so i was down there and I, I thought it was fitting. I was like, I'm dropping this off today. He rec. he was the one that said this topic, um, you know, whatever. We'll just drop it off and, and, and do this. And we're doing the podcast on the same day. So it's just a little, everything's gelling today. So. Uh,
1: Dang. Well, yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, Jacob's Jacob's a great kid. So yeah, he's
0: a, he's a lot of fun. Uh, I hired him for some real work for, My personal Instagram stuff and the race promotion stuff. So, um, you know, I think it's at little media, little dot media. I don't know. You'll, we'll, I'll put him Mm -hmm. somewhere in the notes somewhere, but um, he's a good dude. So, and the winner of the skateboard deck. So, um, Mason, let's get into your background a little bit. Um, I've ridden hundreds of thousands of miles of motorcycle on the street, but I've never touched the track. So let's get your background in motorcycle, motorcycles in general.
1: Um. So I my my parents put me on a little dirt bike. Um. I think it was a, a Yamaha, Yamaha like YZ50, whatever the, the time one is. That's for every, kids. every
0: one of us. Yeah, the yeah PW. everybody is on a PW for their first bike. I swear. Mm-hmm. Just that? The, the intro. Yeah,
1: one. no, I'm, my neighbors still have theirs. <laughs> I think I saw um, one in the Madison. You know, we, Motors- we still take it out every once in a while. I saw
0: one in the Madison Motorsports uh, garage today. It's a PW50, or maybe it's an 80. I couldn't was it an 80? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was a little Yamaha with no engine in the, or no motor in it. So.
1: Yeah, they've been working on that. They had a, they had a project three wheeler for a while. And I think, unfortunately they got rid of it, but well, we've, we've had a few wacky little vehicles. I think
0: three wheelers are safer than motorcycle or motorcycles are safer than three wheelers. Sorry.
1: Uh, most certainly. Yeah. Just because, you know, the tendency for the three wheeler to flip is a little bit higher than high siding. a bike. Right.
0: Right. So, so you've been running motorcycles mm. since you were a kid.
1: Uh, I I mean, you could say that I kind of took a hiatus. Um, You know, I I was on the 50 and then, um, you know, after I outgrew that, I was uh, upgraded to like a little Honda with uh, three gears and a Uh clutch. And I I rode that for a little while. I forget how old I was when I went on my hiatus, but, you know, I kind of got out of that. And then, um, you know, for a while, I, my family had a farm quad Mm -hmm. Um, we got one when I was like 14. So I think for like eight years between when I was like 14 and five, I guess, um, I wasn't riding at all. And then I got into quads and then, um, for a while after that, you know, it was just quads. And, um, after that we got into, my dad had a Mustang Mm -hmm. and that kind of is what piqued my interest in motorsports in general. You know we would ride around in that and it was it was fun we would go out and get ice cream in it and he would you know take it on back roads and really hammer down on it and uh, after that he sold the mustang got a wrx and around that time i had uh finally saved up enough to get my own car so i bought a 1989 toyota supra and i i built that and we were like, hey, let's do a track day together in the cars. Uh, long story short, my Supra eventually blew up. Uh, we ended up just taking the WRX and trading off him and mm-hmm. I. And then uh, after that, he was like, okay, cars are kind of a pain. I'm going to sell that. I'm going to get a motorcycle again. And, you know, I was like, darn. Okay, well, I'm stuck with my Supra. Here's how it's going to be. He got a motorcycle. Um, I eventually got rid of the Supra, got a forerunner. Um, no, no loss. And I had a little bit left over and I was like, darn motorcycles are really cool. I'm going to get my license so I can ride that with my dad and we can like bond over that. So, um, I, I got back into motorcycles when I was like 16 and a half, 17. Okay. And I've been riding ever since.
0: All right. So, um, where, when did you start tracking your bike?
1: Um, So I started riding track motorcycles um, probably just when I had turned 17 because um, for a while my dad had his starter bike and then he upgraded and I got to, fortunately, I got to use his to learn on. Right. So I didn't have to like buy a starter bike. I kind of was able to segue into buying whatever I wanted. And um, I got a Ducati 848 as my first bike. Okay. So. Yeah, it's like it's like a squid starting on an R right? six, but a little bit classier, <laughs> way um, classier. I I really wanted a nine sixteen, of course, but I couldn't afford no. <laughs> one. Yeah, because uh, gr- growing up, my neighbor had a nine sixteen. Okay. They still have it. Um, one of the one of the original model years. It's like very rare, very nice, beautiful color. And you know, I would see that bike, and I'd be like, "Darn, I really want one of those." That's a beautiful, really cool motorcycle. Is it yellow
0: or red? But uh,
1: yellow? yellow. Okay
0: there that's really rare to find yellow so
1: oh yeah it's um i forget what the model is called specifically it's like a it starts with a v but um it's like one of the Mm hand-built models that um i think it was mv augusta okay when ducati was like first making that bike mv augusta's factory was used for that okay but um the 848 was close enough to the 916 for uh, 17-year-old me. Oh, yeah. So I went and I, uh, yeah, it, you know, it's just a, it's a crotch rocket. It's crazy. Right. So I got that, and my dad was like, hey, man, we're going to get you, like, proper okay. education on how to ride a bike like this. And um, he sent me to a training school, the Yamaha Champs Riding School. So Okay. I I went to that, and that's where I learned to track a motorcycle. Okay
0: awesome so you you got to do street and track sort of at the same time right i mean close yes. close to each other you probably did a little more street driving in the beginning and then you started going to the track more often and doing these technical schools and things like that so for an old head like me who has you know thousands of miles on the street um how what's how do i get into riding on track because i'm sure i'm i know i have really bad street habits
1: so um well at least it, it at its simplest form if you wanted to go and ride your bike on a racetrack mm-hmm. right now i'm it, do you have leathers at all i,
0: I have um, an upper half lower half not a full one piece it, it's a, two-piece, it's a two-piece, suit two-piece that like zips yeah.
1: together well, you could throw that on right now uh-huh. and get one of your bikes. Either you could ride it to the track. I've seen people ride their bike to the track. You drop $200, ride your bike to the track if, if you so desire, and you could go right now. No experience needed. Right. but
0: but I, Okay, so let's compare the two because you talked about going to HPDE. If I did that today, obviously I'm starting in the beginner group.
1: Uh yes. There's typically uh I I go to N2 track days. They have beginner, intermediate, mm-hmm. advanced. Um unlike an HPDE, you're not going to have a coach riding with you like on the bike right. with you. That would be weird. Um they kind of just float around on track and they have hand signals that they'll describe to you and classroom time in between sessions. Okay. So I I feel like that's pretty similar to the car HPDE I went to aside from the uh coach being in the car with you.
0: Yeah. uh, In the automotive world, we call that lead follow. Um, It sounds like you don't have one instructor per there. So uh, it's not technically a lead follow, but there are some organizations that do it that way where, you know, the instructor isn't actually in your car. They're just in a car on track and usually they have flashers on or something. So, you know, which one's the instructor and which one to follow kind of thing. Um, but so, okay. I'm, I'm one of, I don't know, a billion people in the world that own a motorcycle. I mean, everybody owns a motorcycle. I knew about tracking, Right. right? But how did you learn about tracking and how do how do people get more information about starting to get on track?
1: Fortunately, there's actually a pretty good amount of information out there for getting on track days. You can just Google, you know, if you Google motorcycle track day and you, uh, take a look at the orgs, typically they'll have a pretty good amount of uh, information, you know, just listed on their websites. I, I know N2 has a pretty good amount of information on their site. And then they also host a few YouTube videos about what to expect on your first track day. And at least when I was starting to get into it, I know I watched those and they were pretty helpful
0: yeah so so okay so you talked i need i just need my motorcycle and my leathers right uh what if right you you need safety equipment. okay so let's go over all the safety equipment i need for my person
1: right so you're gonna need leather gloves you don't you, you typically want like the racing style i've i've seen all sorts you you're gonna want the racing style with um I I prefer to have the pinky and the middle finger or not pinky and middle finger, pinky and ring finger attached. Um, I've just, I've wrecked in gloves like that. It makes a huge difference that I wouldn't settle for any less. You're going to want a full one piece leather suit, two piece works. You can pass tech with that. I prefer one piece. Um, You're going to want a helmet made within the last five years. You can't have an ADV helmet. You just need a regular, you know, motorcycle Uh, I think KYT makes a really good one. The NZ race you can get for a pretty good Mm -hmm. price, Uh, but you can use the helmet. You already have, if it's, if it has been made in the last five years, you're going to need, you know, motorcycle boots, uh, regular riding boots should work. The, the track style riding boots, uh, if you get one of the ones that look like shoes, the, they're not going to let you out with that. You need ankle coverage, right? Yes. Yes. Ankle coverage.
0: Yeah. I mean, I learned my lesson. I wrecked on the street one time uh, on a blind hill. There was a bus. Anyway. Uh,
1: oh, my God. Uh, what? Yeah, would you, would you go into that? Yeah, somewhere? yeah, yeah. I'd, so, I'd like to hear about um,
0: that. I was leaving for work in the morning, uh, squitting it up. I had a leather jacket on, my leather gloves with, like, carbon knuckles. I had probably my shark helmet on. Yeah, because I had to retire that helmet. Um, so I had my shark helmet on. I had really good gloves on. I had a r- really nice jacket on. And then I had my dress slacks and my Cole Haan dress shoes on. And I oh no, I turned left out of my driveway. It was a bunch of rolling hills. Um, there was a school bus stopped and about eight cars backed up. And I was doing the speed limit because I was on a carbureted, old carbureted bike. Um a bike, I have no idea how many miles were on it. Cause I put two engines in it and three clusters. So we just stopped counting. We just kept, we just made it run. Right? right. Um, and I crest the hill trying to get the carbs and the engine warmed up, you know, so I'm just putzing around and, um, it was one of those hills where you sort of lose your stomach. And I came over the hill and realized I had maybe 50 feet to stop. And I went to grab brake. And it went on the front tire, and I jumped right off because I, there was no way I was going to be able to bring the rear of the bike down and stop. And I rolled just left of this Jeep Grand Cherokee as my motorcycle basically caved the back end in on it. So it was an old steel frame YZF 600, mm-hmm. you know, old school Yamaha life. Okay. So, um, yeah. yeah. so But I broke my toe.
1: Oh, just, just I broke just toe, broke my toes.
0: I mean, obviously I had rash on my, on my leathers. I wore a hole right. in my, I had like little, little abrasions. I was only doing 35 miles an hour. I had little abrasions on my, on oh, okay. my, like that ate through my pants on my, on my legs, like really, really light road rash. I mean, a band aid would cover it. It was so light. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my gloves were a little chewed up. I probably threw them away, but the this is why I don't believe in people who should have open face helmets, because the only mark on my shark helmet was on my chin, like right there on the kisser. Right. And so
1: the chin bars make a huge. Difference.
0: Absolutely. I see all those BMW guys strutting around, got their things all the way up and all, uh, no, no, <laughs> no. So, I, you know, that that helmet got retired because of the kiss on the chin bar. So, um, yeah, but I broke my little toe. The, actually, the bone behind my little toe. So I learned that lesson. Mm-hmm. I changed backpacks. That was the other thing. I rode with a backpack. I still ride with a backpack. It doesn't bother me. But I know some people are anti-backpack because no. it could hurt your spine or how you roll. Because rolling when you wreck is important and all that jazz. But um, right. yeah, I, I just bought a little bit bigger backpack with a separate shoe compartment so I could put my shoes in it, keep my laptop and stuff, all that jazz in the regular compartment. And uh, I didn't even break my laptop. So, <laughs> um,
1: well, that's a plus. Yeah.
0: So work would have paid for. It's fine. But, you know, then I started wearing boots. Mm-hmm. So I still don't wear any pants, though. I, I just wear jeans on the street. So you cut out. Uh, yeah, I just wear jeans on the street. That's just how I roll.
1: Yeah, I I know a lot of people who do that. They make Kevlar jeans. um, Like I I would suggest wearing those if you're going to be doing trips where you know you're above 60 miles an hour. But if you're just putzing around town, like I I commute to school on a bike on the regular. And um, typically I'll just wear jeans if I'm going to be keeping it below like 30. But I think at the end of the day, safety is pretty much paramount.
0: Yeah. So on the bike it is we're taking a risk it's a it's a riskier proposition commuting on a motorcycle than it is on a in a car and the same is
1: true on track right um um yes i would definitely say that the risk on track compared to cars from what i understand is slightly higher on a motorcycle and I think the riskiest thing you could do on a motorcycle is actually take it on street.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. It That's the riskiest place to be. Yeah. Trust me. I commuted in DC, mm-hmm. in the DC area around the Washington DC beltway for years on my motorcycle. I saw people driving old Corvettes, right. reading a newspaper that was on their steering wheel. Um, oh my gosh. I was commuting <laughs> when the, the Prius first came out and Every Prius driver was not looking ahead. They were looking at the center of their dash and mashing, not mashing, but playing with the pedals to try to get the number on the dash to go higher. They didn't care what was in front of them, what was behind them or around them. They were all trying to hypermile and learn how to do it. It was terrible. Well, Uh,
1: it's good. It's good to know that that's like been a thing because I I know even today, i know this is a little off topic but the prius c gets a ton of hate because they're like typically the stereotype is that people behind the prius c's wheel are just terrible drivers they're fed up with their car and they just want to you know <laughs> get their gas mileage yep. or whatever it is
0: it, i mean I, i've seen lots lots and lots of i've i was next to somebody you know uh and you know i <laughs> Sport bikes on the street. None of us have a stock exhaust, right? We have igno- obnoxious right. stuff, Acropovics or you know, my broke self on my FZR had some eBay, some eBay pipe. You know, <laughs> it fit. Uh, you know, right. I just needed to.
1: My my Ducati came with terminioni. See, like it, it. I didn't even have right. to do it.
0: <laughs> so I mean, they're loud, and I'm never in a gear. This, this is going to be bad advice. So don't take this as advice. But I'm always in a fairly low gear because the safest route, I would say 90% of the time, is to crack the throttle on a motorcycle on the street because it's where our advantage lies versus most people. Um, and in braking, they don't pay attention to you, they don't see your light. It, you know, your taillight is so small. So. I was always in a lower <laughs> gear, always sort of revved up. Um, but still, they just merged into me. You know, they just kept coming. I was knocking on the window with my carbon knuckles before they, for a, what seemed like forever to me, before they freaked out. And I was probably a foot away from a jersey wall on my side, right. on my right side. They came from yeah. the left, so
1: with something like that, there's always the temptation to like mess with somebody or like tap them or, you know, knock their mirror off. But what, what I'm scared of today is like, you never know what somebody's going to do. They could like freak out the and swerve the wrong direction or something like that. You know, I, I mean a good piece of advice for riding on the street and even, even on the track is eyes. Um, one of, one of the people that has mentored me and coached me is always stressing, keep your eyes up and then scan back because the farther ahead you see, the more you're able to process and the faster you can react. I'm sure, you know, in cars on track, this is important too, but with your eyes, because the human brain is only wired, you know, in a like evolutionary sense, we're wired to go about as fast as running speed. And process everything at that speed so you can only you know receive so much information and process it at speeds higher than that and as you increase speed you know that amount of information that you're able to process decreases substantially right
0: um there we can get into it later there's definitely tactics that i learned on the street that have followed me to the track um and a lot of it has to do with being your awareness level needs to be up and you know looking for predictive stuff so predictive behaviors um but i didn't want to get too far off of being on track um so we went over the gear helmet that's not five years old yes right five years are newer yes the helmet is very important yeah i know they'll bounce you for that i'd have to go buy a new one for me um mm-hmm. gloves you you have the more track version where the the ring and the pinky are tied together. Back yes. in my day. I, I uh go ahead. Yeah. Continue. So my roommate used to track his bike back in the day and they required the gauntlets. So it couldn't be the stuff that ended at your wrist. It had to overlap.
1: Oh yeah, gauntlet is yeah a it has
0: to overlap your leather sleeves. Um and then obviously the two piece will pass, but it's not as good as a one piece. There is a A potential for separation especially over time and you're not taking care of your gear or you don't notice that some things are coming loose um it's just a zipper by the way so it's really not that strong in the grand scheme of things um for separating a two-piece um and then what else oh boots so uh
1: yep you want the you want the boots they're going to overlap your leathers the same as the gloves
0: yeah i i love my cds not sponsored. They would never sponsor me for this stuff anyway. So, uh, but I love them. They were great. Um, I still own them. So, still have them.
1: So, mm-hmm. um, so. Yeah. and uh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to add a side note for for getting this gear. You can always buy used, but if you're going to buy used, don't buy it sight unseen. You always want to be able to try it on and inspect it for damages before. You oh yeah, it. absolutely. Because. Yeah, there's, there's a possibility that they might be hiding damage or it might be fitted to somebody else and you're just going to have a miserable time. Never by used sight unseen.
0: Yeah, uh, same for motorcycles, but the gear is important. <laughs> so let's get in.
1: I, I think almost the gear is more important. You can fix a bike, but you can't fix it. Yeah, self.
0: well, you can't fix the gear. It's just, It would be a waste of money at that point. Um, mm. So back in the day, we used to have to show up and like tape over lights and tape over these things. Is that still the case uh, when you show up with your motorcycle? What motorcycle prep do I need to do when we go to the track?
1: It depends on the track day. Um, I, before I go, um, when I'm like riding on a street bike and I don't have my bike already safety wired and everything, because typically I'll just do a track day on my race Mm -hmm. bike. but, I am always going to check the torque on my axles. Right. That's important. Um, check the torque on your, um, clip ons. If you have those or your handlebars, if you have handlebars, because you can at a track day, you can take any bike. I've seen people rip around on GSs and they're going faster than everybody else. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's up to the rider, but, um, you're, you're going to, depending on the org, either have to tape your headlights or, you know, if you've got an SV with a single headlight, you can just remove Mm -hmm. it. They're, they're cool with that. And, um, yeah, I can't stress this enough. You're going to want to make sure that your clip ons have proper torque because something might happen. I've seen people's clip ons like shift and that can cause issues.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, here's another story for you. I hit a deer in my R six one time.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Uh, leaving the same house in Oakton about another quarter mile down the road, uh, a deer, two or three deer jumped out in front of me. Um, and I thought I, it jumped from an elevated Hill over a fence onto the road. And Mm -hmm. it started to get onto the front fairing of my motorcycle. And I reached up in front and shoved it. And I thought I got it off before it broke too much stuff. And, uh, I went to grab the throttle, and it was dangling.
1: Yeah, that's like worst case yep. scenario because your brake is attached to that as yep. well. Like then at that point, you're going to be using your rear brake, which just isn't as good as the front. Uh,
0: no, I I basically like finagled enough oomph to get up, did a U-turn with one hand, went home. Um, mm-hmm. I lived on a gravel driveway with a gravel drive going into the garage. So you can drag mm-hmm. a lot of rear brake there anyway. So that part was pretty easy, but yeah. Um, when your clip on right. brakes, life gets really complicated. So of course. Um, yeah. But that's, that's essentially a nut and bolt check for a car, right there. What other, are there any mm-hmm. other, you talked about safety wire. If I go, you know, next weekend, will I have to safety wire anything on my motorcycle for beginner group? No, no,
1: I would suggest, I would suggest safety wiring, like all your oil drain bolt and your oil fill. And like, you know, maybe the filler cap on your radiator and your, uh, water pump drain, Mm -hmm. but you're not, you're not required to, I, I would just suggest those things because if something were to go wrong, you know, it's, a lot easier for everybody else if you're not leaking oil on the track.
0: Oh yeah, it, to include yourself. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> uh, right. your rear tire is the first one to catch whatever's coming off that engine. So, mm-hmm. but okay. So say I'm I want to do this and I want to start racing. How do I start racing with motorcycles?
1: Uh, that's a bit more challenging than doing a track day. Okay. Uh, you're. Definitely, you're going to need to get a license through one of the racing orgs. Um, at least for the East Coast, I know you can get in through CCS or Weira, mm-hmm. and um, both of them have their own ways of getting licenses. I know for CCS license, um, I I don't have one for CCS yet. I'm I'm getting one this year, but uh, a buddy of mine did it. They just went to a race school for a day and. Um, they learned some typical like on track practices. Right. Um, there was more coaching involved than a track day, and then they end the day with a mock race. Yep. And after that, it's like, hey man, you've got your license. And then um, to get his Weira license, he just emailed the Weira um, organization, and he was like, hey guys, I have my CCS license, but I want to race for Weira. You know, can I have a Weira license? And then you just pay the fee, and he. Got it.
0: Yeah, there's a reciprocity between some of the organizations. So, hmm. uh, yeah, my roommate attended that CCS uh, race school, and in the mock race, broke his collarbone. So,
1: oh, no fun.
0: Yeah, I think some of the instructors decided to come out and play during the mock race, and they split him at VIR in the front on the front straight dur- in the kink. He picked his head up. Mm-hmm. This is that visual thing. You Got it you gotta look where you wanna go and look far enough ahead. He picked his head up and he took the ride off track because he picked his head up in the kink. So at way over a hundred twenty miles an hour, I'm sure, at that point. My car's at a hundred twenty, so I'm sure the bikes are coming out faster. So right. um yeah, ugly ride, broken collarbone, some other stuff. So
1: Yeah. So continuing on the topic of Mm -hmm. racing, um, when, when you decide that you're going to be racing, you kind of have to make a plan of like first what you want to get out of it and then what your level of commitment is going to be. I'm sure it's the same for car racing, but, um, I wouldn't suggest just like going straight into it without a plan. Right. Um. I mean, it it would honestly be very hard to do it without a plan, but, um, you know, say, say you're starting from ground zero and you have no bike, nothing at all. Right. Um, I would honestly, like if, if, if you are a beginner track day rider, I would go to a racing school, like not, not just like a licensing school, but an actual racing school and just try and learn and do some track days and get your skills up a little bit. Just say so you're really comfortable on the bike for that environment.
0: Is is the beginner race bike to have still the SV650?
1: Um, I'm I'm honestly not sure because I I own an SV650. That was my first track bike. Okay. But um, honestly, I'm I'm seeing these ultra lightweight bikes, and I'm I'm on an ultra lightweight bike for the endurance. Is that
0: the three because... or four hundred CC bikes, sport bikes that are out now?
1: Um, the, it's mostly the R3, the KTM 390, okay. the RC 390, and, uh, the Kawasaki Ninja 400. Right. Okay. I think those are, those are the big ones. But, um, with those bikes, the, the reason I'm on that is for the Weira Ultra Lightweight Endurance mm-hmm. Series that they do with N2. And, um, we can, we can get more into that later if you'd like sure. to. Cause I, I personally am doing that just to get a lot of quality track right. time. But um the the SV650 you can find a built race bike for very inexpensive. But I think if I had to do it again, I'd just start on an R3.
0: Okay, and and R3s brand new are pretty much a bargain to be honest. Uh, brand new from the well, factory.
1: You can get the 2015 ones so cheap. Yeah,
0: though. yeah. So was that like the first year of them? I can't remember when um, they came
1: out. I, no, I think they went from like 2012. Okay. I'm not sure, but but it, yeah, they're great. I mean,
0: when I, the last time I looked, they were like a sub $4,000 bike brand new.
1: Yes. So I, starting the season, I ended up with, um, for the endurance ultra lightweight, I got an R3 and I thought I was going to run the whole season on that. I ended up switching bikes mid season, but that that's a story for another time. Uh, I got this R three for $4,000. It had, um, slight motor upgrades, full Olin's suspension, handle, exhaust, full body work. It, it was already done up. Um, all I had to do was take it to Bob Al moto. I had him go through it, tune everything up for me. He got a little bit more power out of it and it was ready to go for the race season. And it, you know, it was very inexpensive.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's insane how how cheap those bikes are these days so for the price of of a brand new out the-door bike you basically picked up a race bike fully upgraded now they they had the bonus of probably selling off all the plastics and stuff and putting the shark skins on or whatever they were running but mm-hmm. um yeah they they it's still a bargain in the grand scheme of things like you're not going to get a right better deal than that i I don't think there's a comparable car that you can buy miatas are so expensive right now
1: yeah miatas miatas are crazy right now i mean you could i'm i'm thinking you could maybe find if you know the right people a honda fit but you're still gonna have to do a lot of work to that to get it track ready
0: yeah i you're gonna have to know somebody to be honest i mean uh, we own a Honda fit. It's, it's not for the track. Obviously it's a super commuter. That's what they were built for in the first place. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're, you're talking about five grand probably for a good, even a high mileage, but a good clean, not so jacked up looking one. And then you need 1500 minimum in the suspension, probably 2000. Mm -hmm. So now we're at seven, you know, um, and then if you get serious and you want to try to eke all the little power you can get out of a 1.5 liter and, you know, maybe some safety equipment, it, the bill just gets higher and higher and higher. So,
1: right. I mean, once you throw in tires and transportation costs for that, you, you know, for like, say three races, um, if I'm doing the math right in, the he- in my head, I mean, that ends up becoming about the same price as my entire season, last season.
0: Okay. All right. Do we want to get into that? Because I, I want to know. I, I'm, I'm intrigued because in a sort of back and forth, you know, prior to this and on Instagram, you said that
1: bikes were cheaper. I think that they are cheaper. I, I don't know if they're cheaper once you add everything up. Um, but at least for me and what I'm capable of affording, they are less expensive, Okay, at least outright. Um, With the 400, I did the whole season on eight sets of tires. Okay. And that was like reusing tires from track days and everything else. Actually, I'm going to say 10. I I didn't really keep count, but I have them all in my room at home. (laughs) I could go and count later if you want me
0: to. No, you're good. I mean, eight. Eight sets. I mean, that's only 16 tires. I'm sure I don't know what they're costing these days, and it's not the same size as what I was running or what I have for my 600cc bikes. So the price might be a little off. But when my roommate was racing, we owned a tire changer because he would, I mean, he was on a 600, um, but we would change tires Saturday night so he could go back on Sunday. Cause he would burn down a set on in one day. So I, I don't okay. know if that's still true um, or that's true for you guys,
1: but um, he definitely was. Well, it depends on what bike you're on. Cause the more powerful your bike, the quicker you're going to burn through tires okay. um, with a, with a 400 on a set of tires, I'm probably going to get three to four track days out of that one set of tires and then i'll do an endurance race on a fresh set of tires and then i'm still good for like probably one or two track days depending on the track conditions at the endurance race and how much tire wear i incur oh
0: okay that's not
1: bad that seems pretty cheap no it's it's awesome on tires i mean the the sv650 is easy on tires too but the 400 is great and it's so light and nimble and um at least on the ninja that the engine is hopped up a little bit. I mean, I'm keeping up with stock SV six fifties in the straight up to a point. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that's good. Uh, it's, it's hard to compare, right? Because you're comparing an ultra light mm-hmm. motorcycle to whatever kind of car we want to compare it to, you know um, right. what are your track days normally costing you?
1: Sorry. Can you, can you repeat the question?
0: Yeah, Yeah. yeah that's fine. Um, how much does it cost for a track day?
1: Um, track day entry, uh, the cheapest I've seen is $180. It's typically like 180 to $225. Um, if I'm not buying tires, then, of course, I'm not going to account for that. Right. And then on a typical track day, um, I'll have a five-gallon jug of fuel, uh, super. And depending on the track, I'll go through, you know, two thirds to the whole thing.
0: So you fill up your tank and then you bring an extra five.
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll bring an extra five more, more if it's going to be like a longer track. Okay. Um, you know, fuel consumption isn't crazy on the bikes. Um, when on a typical track day with the way the sessions are broken down, you're getting about two hours of track time.
0: Okay. And and that's just the normal day, not the enduro, Right.
1: Uh, no, that's that's just a normal you know twenty minute sessions track day. Okay,
0: and then did you uh, do you know what your
1: tires sets are costing you? Um, so I I have an expense sheet that I made that's kind of an estimate. Okay, and for a tire set, here wait. I'm I'm actually just going to Google the cost of slicks right now because it it fluctuates. I have it down as three fifty, but I'm not sure if that's accurate. Um, so I can give you a proper number right now. Okay. So the KR 451, um, this isn't the size that I'm using, but, um, it's, it's comparable. The KR 451, which is like their current slick, you can get new from Dunlop for, I think 162. No, that can't be right.
0: It's got to be a 160 for the front, maybe?
1: Yeah. Uh, on their site, it says from 145, and this is the uh, Dunlop Racing site. Okay.
0: That's still cheaper. Okay. I, c- I couldn't get one tire for 145, so...
1: Yeah, The okay, so if you're on a bigger bike, it's going to cost you more in terms of tires. Okay. So I just... I just set it out 350 is correct for a set. Okay. I mean that's not too bad.
0: You're paying say 225 and then what's 5 gallons of premium these days? 20, 25 bucks maybe plus what's mm-hmm. in your
1: tank. You got to count food into that too. Oh
0: yeah, we, I mean we could get into all that, but we we're, we're all eating, you know, we're eating, you're eating. I was just trying to I consume 5 gallons in half a day like easily you know Uh, I I start with a full tank of gas and then start throwing five gallons at it all the time so and Mm -hmm. 350 I don't know 350 I just bought tires so I should know this yeah 350 is about a tire and a half for me but I need four and you need two so there's and your track day entry fee is significantly
1: cheaper Uh, I mean it's definitely like a lot more freestyle for the track day as well.
0: Oh, the, how the track days are set up.
1: I, I I would say yeah. There's there's a bit less structure, mm-hmm. which is a good thing and a bad okay. thing. Um, at least from my HPDE experience, it was it was very structured and very strict. But at a motorcycle track day, you kind of you show up there they brief you you know and then you go out on track with these coaches but you know a novice rider can show up and it's their first track day and unless they really go out and seek that help and they're eager to learn Mm. they're kind of going to be learning it themselves
0: yeah um there's a lot of track days that are kind of like that too once they sign you off solo you have to look for yourself so uh, mm-hmm. they get you they they basically teach you how to get around the track and then once you say well once you prove you can consistently get around the track um, the same way they're going to kind of let you go and then you have to figure out a lot of stuff so networking is big so
1: mm-hmm. um well i guess it's kind of the same there a, a
0: little bit i they, they do hold your hand a lot um when you're in the beginner group but like you said, you can't. You're not riding two up. I'm not riding two up with a beginner. That's for sure, right? Like nobody, right?
1: No, I'm I'm not gonna ride two up with a yeah. Beginner. The,
0: the passenger seat's dangerous enough in in some respects when you're talking about being an instructor for HPDE. So I'm not definitely not sitting on the back. So, right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this bike versus car on track, okay? um obviously they would never be on the track at the same time but from your
1: unless you're in germany yeah they i know they do that at the. yeah they do that at
0: the nuremberg ring and i get really cringy when i see the videos and the bikes like go flying by i'm like oh man because i see a lot i'm okay i take joy in watching the the nuremberg ring like oops compilations so you know, when they bin mm. their GT3 Porsche and their, you know, BMW M4 hits the wall or something, I I enjoy watching that for some reason. I don't know why. Uh,
1: some sort of sick, twisted mindset you got Yeah, there, but right? then when
0: you see, like, the hot laps, <laughs> but then you see the motorcycle fly past the hot lap guy, and you're going, what if one of these guys wrecks into this guy that has nothing? I mean you have something you have your helmet and your leathers and your gloves and your boots right but that's not a lot and an
1: airbag oh the airbag is important oh too.
0: let's talk about this airbag thing cause i
1: the airbag
0: do you have an airbag do you race with an airbag
1: always okay Um, I, I should have mentioned it earlier, but we didn't, we didn't really get into it because I mean, at the, the bare minimum, you're going to have your leathers and gloves. That's what you Uh need. Um, I got to suggest the airbag. I use an Alpenstars tech air race because it's what I've had for the past three years and it's, it's been great. I've serviced it, kept it up. And, um, I think it has kept me out of the hospital quite well. Um, I know Bison has an integrated helite vest into, uh, their suits now. And, um, they, they've tested that it does a similar thing. Um, the idea is for it to like inflate and really support your spine and your neck in the event of a crash. That's the biggest job it's going to do. Um, and I, I think it's great to have because, you know, that, that's a very important oh, part of your body that you don't want yeah to damage. not at all yeah you
0: you want to be able to walk and run and do all those things again right like so right. is is the airbag the airbags new right i'm an old fuddy-duddy it's been 10 15 years since i looked into this kind of stuff is did that replace the back protector because i know a lot of guys used to ride with back protectors
1: I still see people wearing back protectors. Um, the back protector is alive and well, um, the airbag has a back protector integrated into it. Um, so it's, I think it's CE level two or CE level three, uh, depending on what you have. But, um, it's, it kind of fits on you like a back protector, except it has a computer in it and some really highly compressed gas. Um, And then it's got sensors, so it's constantly scanning. If it notices that you've gone off the bike in one way or another, it is very quick. It's like boom, and it just goes off. It feels like getting punched in the chest, and you know you you feel you feel very safe.
0: Okay, okay. So, how many times have you gone off?
1: I have fallen off of a motorcycle three times, and every single time has been on track. Uh, the first time I went off was turn one at Road Atlanta almost two years ago now. Um, I was on my SV650, and I had uh, low-sided it. Um, I I think it was a skill issue. Uh, I've been told that the front suspension had some really messed up springs in it. And that might be why I still think it was a skill issue. I learned a lot from that wreck and it's, I'm going to attest to that. It's part of like why I've been so driven to improve, Mm -hmm. but, um, the airbag went off. I hit the gravel flipped like three times and I just, I got up and I was able to be like really pissed off. I'm like, damn, I just ruined my bike. And you know, there goes the rest of my day and the next day too. Yeah.
0: I mean, when you when you can get up and be angry that your bike is messed up, it that's, that's a good way to, to mm-hmm. be, you, at least you're not being flown out and stuff. So. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. The, um, so you, you've been off two other times.
1: Uh, yes, the, I'm, I'm going to save the best one for last. Um, okay. cause that, that one's actually on video. <laughs> if you, um, it, it i i didn't get it on video it's like it's it's all cinematic and stuff because um into and we were we're doing like videos for their races and they captured that but um you know i i went off one time the airbag doesn't go off if you're under i think 35 miles an hour at least for the one that i okay. have so you know turn one summit so point i'm going in i'm qualifying for an endurance race they do it the day before now fortunately instead of the morning before And I'm really cooking into turn one and I was just focusing on my braking and I forgot that there were braking bumps closer to like the inside, right on the line. I hit the braking bumps and the front had bottomed out because of how hard I was braking and the bike just popped up and like slid out from under me and the airbag doesn't go off at that speed. So I was able to get the bike back up, fix it and get it going. And I placed eighth. The next day in the race, which was fantastic. Um, The the airbag didn't go off, so I was able to like continue using it. Didn't spend that money. Good,
0: awesome. You gonna tell the best for last, or we're gonna save that for later? Yeah, Uh,
1: yeah. I I think we can. It it might lead into another topic, so I'm not sure. Okay.
0: So you just said something Um, that I wanted to talk about. Okay. Because okay. the difference between the car and the bike on track. The car wouldn't care about those brake bumps, right? Let's Not let's keep using Summit Point because I'm I know Summit Point very well.
1: That's my home track. I know it well. Okay, do, so
0: let's do so it. so you were turn one on the outside,
1: um, or inside? I was turn one crossing over um i at summit point i'm braking in between the three board and the two board on the 400 okay. and um i'm like i trail brake for a little bit and then as soon as i get off my maximum brake pressure right there i'm kind of starting to add some input and like lean the bike in. okay so i'd say i was almost to the curbing where i apex there okay so,
0: um, I'm trying to think of other places that'll be completely different, right? Uh, from, did you do any HPDES at summit point?
1: Um, I have not done one on summit point main. I've done one on summit point Shenandoah. So oh, okay.
0: I just, so turn three is puzzling to me because, uh, in the cars, we eat so much inside curbing at summit point. That you guys, well, it's a little smooth, but I doubt you could mount the curbing, right? Because you
1: should be bent all the way Um, in. What do you mean by mount the curbing? Like get my wheels up on it? I'm, I'm not getting my wheels up on it, but I know when I do a really good, like when I do a great job through turn three at summit point, I'm actually like lifting my knee up a little bit because if I don't, I'm going to like really tap that curbing and it's kind of rough. It's smoother than most places, but it's still a little bit rougher than the asphalt surface. Right.
0: So you would bang your pucks so, against the, your knee pucks against the, the curbing.
1: Yes. The the idea is to get as close as you can without getting your wheels on that. Okay. Because, if you, if you tap that curbing on the bike, it's really going to unsettle it. It is savable, but it's not something you want to be doing on the regular. No,
0: because the exit ride out is through gravel. Like yes. if you have to save it and you're off track, you're track way track right in the gravel to save it. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the same way in the car. Um, so
1: yeah, the, the line that you're taking through there too, um, on the bike, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're very close because sometimes you'll like run out because that paint striping on the right side of the track on the exit of three is flat. So you're going over that in some cases. And then it's kind of a straight shot into four, which is like no brakes through there. And again, like knee over the curb. Oh, you
0: guys don't use brakes to go into four?
1: Not on the 400. Oh, no. I okay. honestly, like ideally, you're going to be almost flat out still accelerating through there. Um, you. You can breathe it a little bit, okay. but you're, you're really cooking. Through yeah. It.
0: I mean, you are in the car too, but I, I don't break, but sometimes I have, I've been through f- almost flat before, but mm-hmm. scared the Jesus out of me. <laughs> and, and like the tires had to be just right. Like everything had to be just right to get it even close to that. So, um, mm-hmm how do you guys take the carousel? Um,
1: do you want me to like run you through from turn five? Yeah. yeah.
0: Run me from turn five through nine. Cause nine is the, the biggest question mark for me on the whole track.
1: Nine. Okay. Um, so through turn five, I mean, of course you're going to be breaking super hard into there. You don't want to go too far to the outside of five, but, um, you know, it honestly, it starts in turn four, You want to apex almost, you know, you want to carry your speed through Uh there, but you almost want to apex later. So it's easier to get as far track right on the entry of five as you can, Uh, at least with the bike, you're going to break pretty hard in there. And then it's sort of like a pretty balanced, like middle 50, 50 apex corner, but you want to move that forward almost like a late apex. Almost but not really. And you know, you come out of there flat out, you're going to do a little bit of brakes into turn Mm -hmm. six just for, you know, steering geometry maintenance. Mm -hmm. And then from the apex of six out, you're going to be on the side of the tire accelerating and just really managing your throttle to get through there. And you know, if you do it right, your knee's going to be down the whole way on the 400 and then, you know, once you're lined up right for, um, seven and eight and then nine, you, you just hammer down, you know, maybe breathe it for transitions on like, it's, it's really quick through do you, there.
0: Do you breathe? A lot of bark? Do pressure. you breathe to get from six to seven or is it one big arc for you?
1: Um, I'm, I'm like thinking about it in my head. Uh, so
0: steering input in the car, we leave it alone, but I usually have to breathe off or shift for seven. And that helps me rotate the car to set me up for eight. And in turn eight, I'm all over the curbs in turn eight on the inside. So I'm sure you're not there mm-hmm. either.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, you kind of want to get your knee over the curb there. Uh, you kind of get through seven early apex on seven, and then you shift in the middle between seven and eight. It's still flat out bar pressure. Just try and get as close to that curbing as possible. You go about mid track on the bike. And then, I mean, from there, turn nine is also flat out. You just need to get the bike leaned over in time and it'll really throw you out wide but you'll make it through turn 9.
0: Yeah, but do Pretty you guys hit the there. dip in turn 9? The dip There's
1: a divot. The the little bit of the little bit like near the yeah. apex. Uh I honestly like I don't think I noticed it too much. Okay. Um I, I wouldn't say it it's a serious like effect thing. I haven't put much mind to it. So Okay. I to me I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know that that's probably not what you wanted to hear, but yeah, I mean,
0: whatever, if you don't, I, <laughs> you know, if you don't pay attention to it, you don't pay attention to it. To me, I just think on the bike, the way I know it can upset the rear wheel drive cars. Um, and it could just be how your bike is set up that it's, it's just soaking it up and you don't really notice. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, it just seems like it would be a bad place to be on a bike but if you're not noticing it then maybe it's not that bad but no, I think that the main takeaway that I'm hearing is like the the entry is a little different for things and you guys don't use curbing so where we would we don't we don't come all the way to the right or as far right as we can for turn five we sort of Cheat halfway through the track and then cut in, um, mm-hmm. and and really turn five defines how well your car's set up because um, if it's not turning well there, you're gonna you you fight the car to get through six and seven. Um, right. It just I, I just the perspective of, of how to take a track on a bike versus on the car seems uh, very. It seems very different, but from what you're explaining to me, like because of the way the pitch and yaw of a bike, it's a little bit different on entry and you guys don't use curbing, but that's about it. It seems like,
1: I mean, at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing is it's just, you know, take the best line through and maximize the traction that you have and, you know, get close to that limit.
0: Yeah, I just, it just seems, yeah. I just thought the bikes yeah. would I mean, be you can, taking very different entries, but I think because of the way they, you can manipulate
1: them, maybe not. It's kind of similar. I mean, think of, think of the lean on a bike, like the steering of a car. Right. Yeah. Um, the... I mean, a big difference between the bike and the car is you can't really understeer. <laughs> you know, if that happens, the bike's going to hit the ground. Right, right, I mean, you can, you can push the front a little bit. Like the, the pros, like Blake Davis, you'll see like the front is almost pushing on the bike as they accelerate out of some corners, but that takes so much finesse and skill. You've got to be like on another level to do I that. Mean, that's why they're professionals. Right. <laughs> so, right.
0: Um, Okay yeah, I just thought maybe that would be, it. maybe things will translate better. So, uh, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what you think on a motorcycle translates, whether it's street or on the track translates to being on
1: track, uh, in a car. I think the biggest translator is trail braking. Okay. Definitely trail breaking because, I, I don't know a whole lot about the suspension geometry on cars. I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, but at least on a motorcycle, when you're trail braking, you know, you're going to hit the uh, big brake pressure. And then you're going to let off to basically get the front forks to this sweet spot of about 100 millimeters on most bikes where the bike is going to just really settle in and turn the best that it possibly can. You know, it shortens your wheelbase a little bit and, you know, it just feels awesome. So learning to trail brake properly on a bike is just so important to getting through corners properly. It's the safest way to do it. It works the tires the best way. Um, and then that translates into cars very well.
0: Yeah. And it happens to be what I suck at. So, (laughs) Maybe I need to dust off a bike and start going to track days. <laughs> we, we do have a track bike sitting in the garage collecting dust for no reason. So,
1: Oh, really? What is it's it?
0: It's a 2000 Yamaha R6. Oh, nice. Yeah.
1: Those are fun. Really fun. Yeah.
0: Bikes. I'm. My actual street bike is a 99. That was a race bike that had a clean title. So I put all the race stuff. Except for the fork, the forks and the shock on it, but it has like a built engine transmission, all this crazy stuff. And I street drove it forever. Oh, nice. uh, so yeah, well,
1: that's the way to do it. You got a little crotch rocket on the street. Oh,
0: yeah. She's a lot of fun. Was a lot of fun. I haven't taken it out in a long time, but <clears throat> um, I think at least for me on the street, um, learning people's behavior and being being able to predict what people are doing in front of me. Cause we talked about that vision right earlier where you have to look ahead and you have to know where everybody is. Uh, that's a huge deal on track, knowing where everyone is in front of you and sort of being able to anticipate what they're going to do. If you can't do that on a motorcycle mm-hmm. on the street, you're going to get run over. Right. And, and on track, it really helps you miss some things. Like I missed a huge wreck at the checkered flag at summit point coming out of turn 10. I saw them. I was coming down the chute, you know, through turn four. And it was two Miatas that I knew were in the lead and the spec three, like, I don't know where he was in the group, but he wasn't in the lead. He was somewhere like in the back, but for whatever reason, he was, not giving up his position to these two miatas that were racing and they were
1: was he blue flagged
0: oh yeah but they don't you think they look at flags come on man (laughs) (laughs) i think vision and awareness is really bad everywhere Mm -hmm. um and it's part of the reason they're going to push for these electronic flagging systems in the cars but anyway I'm like, well, nobody's behind me. Nobody's gonna in my class is going to pass me. I'm just going to hang out because these two Miatas are scrapping, and that E30 is not giving up his position. So fast forward to turn 10, both Miatas bump up from 9 to 10, get around this guy, go to the inside of 10. He gives them the inside of 10, but not by very much, right? He was like, well, the rule book says three-quarters of a car width. And that's what I'm giving you. And that's what they'll take. They will take it, right? Well, they they right. come out of turn 10 still bumping, right? The Miatas are still bumping each other. And the spec E30 comes right across the back end of the Miata as he's bumping the guy in front of him and spins him and took out the first two Miatas.
1: Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, takes them out as they're like dancing across the finish line. They finished, I don't know whether, they finished one and two um, because they didn't end up in the wall. They just ended up spinning through the grass and didn't get into the embankment. But Okay, well, that's good. Timing and scoring had to figure out which one crossed the line because they had to use the old ticker tape, you know, where they're writing the numbers down because they weren't back on the (laughs) pavement yet. And I was just hanging out watching it all. Like I came in, I handed it, I went to tech and handed in my video and said, this is what happened. Right. So being able to anticipate that I was like, yep, I'm done. I I don't need to get into this. Like I could have overtaken all of them. I could have bullied all of them. Right. My car has power, but I was like, no, I'm just going to hang out here because, and, and give space. Right. So, Right.
1: It's, it's keeping that cool too, that like you, I, you were mentioning that you decided to give them space, even though you could have gotten past them and been behind them. Uh, I think that that mentality is very important for having a longer career on the track and knowing when to, you know, back off and when that's like not your fight.
0: Well, that's really big in a motorcycle because getting into a, someplace you're not supposed to be on a bike. I mean, you know, the best case is you low side and slide through the grass, right? Worst case is mm-hmm. <clears throat> you high side or end up in a gap in the air fence or wherever, you know, because you never know
1: where you're right. going to end up. So, So yeah, on that note, actually, we're going to get into uh, my second chronological wreck, but the third one that I'm going to mention okay. today um this is you know about like you know high sides that kind of stuff um i think that it's very important that people you know leave some segue on bikes when they're passing cuz you know those cars were able to have contact with each other they were bumping that entire lap from the way that you described yep. it but on a bike you can't just like you know they say rubbing's racing and to a point on bikes that's kind of true but there's very specific areas on a bike where that's like a big no-no zone where if you touch that somebody's gonna end up somewhere that they're not supposed to be you know front wheel on rear wheel the rear wheel is always going to win that's under power yep. you know bad wrecks have happened from contact there and then um you know i was second round of the endurance series at cmp i was um i think in 13th i i don't remember But, um, you know, there's a lot of lapping going on in these, uh, endurance races, especially when like the guys in front are just ridiculously good. And, you know, there's a lot of talent there. So these guys are lapping you two, three times, maybe more throughout the race. And, um, the guy who was in first just went by me, didn't leave enough room. It was a little too close. His handlebar hit my handlebar and, you know, my, my bike got wrenched the wrong way. And that became a high side. And I just got launched and, um, he was, he was able to keep his bike upright. He ended up riding off track and, um, he had to put it down to keep it from hitting a wall, but you know, contact like that in bikes just won't happen. Right.
0: I mean, that, the open wheel guys have that problem too the wheel touching thing. Um, mm-hmm. but being pinched and and stuff in a motorcycle is even worse probably. So, um,
1: it wasn't very fun. <laughs> <but>. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Did you but, touch um, the air fence?
1: Uh, no, I, um, it was, um, I, I forget what turn number it is, but, um, there's that big straight at CMP and then you go through the uh-huh. kink and then you go through the left-hander after that. It was the straight between that left-hander and that big sweeping right before uh, turn okay. Um, But no, I I got hit and like launched diagonally. And I, I was just in the grass rolling over myself so many times. And um, I think it's thanks to like my airbag and my gloves and boots that nothing was seriously wrong.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure um, you were bruised pretty good though.
1: Oh yeah. I, I was limping for a while. I had to, I had to go to physical therapy after cause I like pinched a nerve or something in one of my legs and I couldn't like feel my foot. Oh so. wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, but. yeah, that's wild. We don't do that in the cars, but it's, we either walk away or we don't. There's, mm. you know, I, I, I talked with Carter hunt. He was an E30. He got caught. At VIR with that new wall at the back, uh, off the back straight, demolished his car. He was his bell was rung, like real bad. Oh yeah, um, but he was up walking around. Um, to- I mean, the cars totaled, his cage deformed. That's how hard he hit.
1: Oh my yeah, gosh!
0: Yeah, but dang. Um, have you been to VIR?
1: Um, I have been to VIR. Twice. I've been to VIR twice. Once I, um, was visiting cause we, when they used to host the Moto America races mm-hmm. there, I would go with my uh, neighbor and my family and, um, we would all like go and watch the race. And then the second time I was there, we all went down and I actually, um, was fortunate enough to work pits there for Michael Haynow in, uh, when he was running twin series. For Moto America, so that was just a fantastic experience, and I got to learn so much.
0: But you haven't raced it yet.
1: Okay. No, never been on it.
0: There's a wall in the back straight. I, I would love terrible. to go there. Do not let your brakes fail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to know. <laughs> they are. Important. I don't even know what they would do. For, they must have the biggest air wall for you guys in the back straight. Uh uh-huh.
1: I I guess I'm I'm not sure yeah. I. I really haven't like looked into it that much. Yeah.
0: Um, do you have any other skills you think that would translate?
1: Um, I mean the, the eyes, uh, we had mentioned that earlier, but using your eyes like to where you want to mm-hmm. go. But, um, I think the biggest difference between a motorcycle and a car is that you yourself are like a counterweight on that bike and, I, I don't know of any car that like is readily available for everybody that like they could just have a counterweight that counterbalances for that. You know, you're so involved in the movement of the vehicle that like, that's the biggest difference.
0: I know the carting guys like to throw their weight around in, the, in carts, but there's no way you can do mm-hmm. it in a, in a race car. So.
1: No. Yeah. I think the the eyes maybe, maybe throttle control, but that's still like in your hand. I think, I think the breaks and the eyes are the biggest like translators. Okay.
0: Awesome. Um, you said you had some other stuff. Um, do you have anything that we missed that we should cover?
1: Let me, uh, I I have so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like it, it's not enough that we could cover it in, in one episode. Uh, now I think. I think we're, we're pretty good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, man. I, I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem. You know, I, I had fun talking. Awesome.
0: Um, I know you had a, you mentioned a project at school that you're doing related to motorcycles. Um, would you like to explain that a little bit before we close up?
1: Uh, yeah. So through the uh, center for entrepreneurship at the school, I I'm kind of like trying to work on a project I'm not sure if it's going to be like a website or a YouTube series, but, um, I'd like to try and, you know, make motorcycle track riding and motorcycle safety, like something that's kind of cool and trendy, you know, cause I, I see a lot of these videos online where people are like, yeah, man, I, I love speeding on the highway with my boys. And it's like, okay, that's, that's not the coolest thing in the world. Like, why don't you go do that on track? And, you know, work on your skills and, you know, build life skills, get fit and, uh, you know, just build that community up instead of, you know, putting yourselves and others at risk.
0: Yeah. I think that's admirable, especially for your age. Cause when I was your age, I was still one of those people goofing off a lot. Um, mm-hmm. even on my bike, even into adulthood, it's easy to do because the power to weight of a motorcycle is ridiculous. Uh, even the slower stuff. So the temptation yeah. is always there. But
1: I mean, if if you're riding around on a sport bike, of course you're gonna you know wick it open every once in a while and enjoy the handling capabilities of the bike. And I think that's perfectly fine. But the the trends nowadays are like, oh, it's you know it's cool to lane split at a hundred miles an hour, that kind of stuff. That's, that's different from getting a little happy on the back roads. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. That, well, I can't say we used to do these things called hooligan rides and yeah. So life was a little crazy back then, but (laughs) I'm older and wiser and I think it's better to focus in a place where you can learn skills in a safer environment. Uh, I've, I've been that way with a car for a long time, but, for whatever reason, I've been so stubborn with a motorcycle. So
1: anyway, I mean, it's, it's just the way things are. It is.
0: It's yeah. I mean, you can't own something that can outrun most supercars and then not give it a whack every now and then. So,
1: Oh yeah. And that's, that's perfectly reasonable. Well, we say that, but
0: it's not advice (laughs) until it isn't. isn't. And so that's the problem. (laughs) Anyway, I think that's going to be an awesome, admirable project. If you need any help, publicity, whatever I say, we make little do some videos for you and um, I'll help any way I can.
1: Oh, well, I I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. I mean, this has been a great experience and I'll be sure to reach out, Yeah, man.
0: Until next time, keep working on yourself, keep working on the car and let's get faster.